Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. And today we're going to be discussing the Signpost programme, which is a campaign to promote climate change and all, all, by all Irish farmers and achieve early progress in reducing gaseous emissions from Irish agriculture. And the person who's going to be leading this programme is Dr. Tom O'Dwyer from Chagask, uh, who joins us this morning to tell us what lies ahead. Uh, Tom, good morning to you. Morning, Mark. You're very thanks, welcome. Thanks for the invitation to the Signpost programme. And also, uh, we're joined this morning by Professor Jerry Boyle, who's Director of Chagask. And uh, Professor Boyle is going to be giving us an update on a new uh, initiative uh, being uh, launched by Chagask today. Um, and we're also joined by Pat Murphy, who's our Head of KT Environment uh, uh, Programme down in Johnstown Castle. Good morning, Good morning. To, to you all. Um, so, Jer- Jerry, um, today's a, 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 an interesting day for Chagask, a, a launch of a new podcast uh, today. Is that right? Yes, uh, yes, Mark. Um, but uh, it's also, of course, as you may be aware, the 45th program in this Signpost Farm series. And uh, I did want to acknowledge that as well. And um, I think the attendances have been phenomenal, nearly 400 on average every week. So I want to say congrats to you, Yvonne, and all of the team. And um, if if there was to be an Emmy Award for something like this, it'd certainly be uh, at the very top of the list. Yes, I I just wanted to um, uh, announce the the launch of a a new uh, podcast on the environment known as the Environment Edge. And um, clearly, as the title suggests, the podcast will be dealing with all of the environmental challenges that you've been covering in the Signpost Farm series over the last while. It's, I think, a hugely welcome addition. And um, it's very timely, uh, given the, the, the focus clearly now on environmental issues within the sector uh, and particularly around climate change. Um, I'm glad to say that the, the podcast, this new podcast, is the work of two very innovative ASAP advisors, um, Deirdre Lynn and uh, Carl Summers. And um, their first podcast, actually, will be, will be aired next Monday. And as it happens, I think it complements uh, the topic of this morning's session very well. Uh, also, Tom Edouard, as you said, who's the manager of our new Signpost Farm program, um, will be, I guess, giving it the first uh, wider public area, you could say, that, that that program will have had. And of course, this is going to be the centerpiece of Chagas's response to dealing with the environmental challenges that the sector faces and that the, that the sector, I think, is very willing to face up to also. So good luck, Tom, and um, make sure you tune in for that podcast also next Monday. Thanks, Mark, for giving me the opportunity. Thank you, Jerry. And um, it, the, that podcast is now live on the Chagask website. I had a look this morning and uh, encourage everyone to, to sh- sign up, uh, whether through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or uh, through the Chagask website. So that, that, that is available now. So Thank you very much, Jerry. And uh, we're now going to move to the, the main agenda, uh, which is our discussion on the Signpost uh, uh, Farm Programme. So, Tom, you're, you're very welcome to the, the programme today. Um, you, you're, this is a new role for you, Tom. Is that right? You're, you're formerly the head of our Dairy Knowledge Transfer Programme. Right. Uh, uh, thank you for the invitation, Mark. Um, I took up this role uh, to lead up the Signpost program in November last year. Uh, so uh, moved from my previous role of uh, heading up the dairy knowledge transfer team uh, within Chagas at that time. Very good, very good. So you're going to give us uh, an overview of what what the plans are for the next number of years for the program, 
And uh, just to remind everybody, if you have questions uh, for Tom, uh, please use the Q&A tab at the bottom of your screen. And we'd be delighted to put those questions to Tom or indeed the, the, the wider panel here as well. So Tom, we'll hand over to you and we'll talk to you after your presentation. Okay, thank, thank you, Mark. Um, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, as, um, as has been previously mentioned, my name is Tom O'Dwyer uh, and uh, I'm leading up the Signpost program. So my presentation this morning is going to outline the program. Um, and as the director said in his opening comments, the Signpost program is, is the chaggest response uh, to, the, to the challenge of climate change. So the overall objective of the Signpost program is to lead climate action by Irish farmers. So my presentation this morning will uh, start with um, a number of slides uh, setting the background or the context for the program before moving on to the, the signpost program or proposal for the program itself. Uh, and then uh, moving in to look at four specific aspects of the signpost program. So firstly, signpost farms, uh, secondly, signpost advisory, then uh, the farm sustainability plan and for, uh, fourthly, the national Agricultural Soil Carbon Observatory. And I'll finish just with a, a summary slide on, on, on the progress we've made to date and, and what are our next steps. So uh, to start with the background, um, our planet is getting warmer. So what this graph shows is, is the trend in global mean temperatures from uh, the start of the Industrial Revolution in 1850 up to today, 2020. And you have a number of different uh, data sources on the graph, but all the lines on the graph are following the same trend. So you see from the start of the Industrial Revolution in 1850, you see little enough change in, in temperature, you know, some spikes here and there, but you know, very marginal change in temperature up to, I suppose, um, the period there between the, the two world wars. Uh, and then there was an increase so that you know, in 1950s, we were about 0.4 of degrees Celsius above uh, where we were in 1850. But then you had this rapid increase in, in global mean temperatures from the 1960s onwards, such that today in 2020, um, it's uh, estimated that global mean temperatures are 1.2 degrees above where the temperatures were back in 1850. Interestingly, uh, I think if, if you talk to Metairn, they will confirm that in Ireland, the temperature is approximately one degree Celsius above where it was in 1890. So the trend in temperatures in Ireland is, is, is much the same as observed globally. And the second point uh, in relation to Ireland, uh, if you, again, if you talk to Met Aaron, they will say that today's climate, the climate that you and I are experiencing today, uh, is different to the climate experienced by our ancestors uh, in, the in, in, the, in the last part of the 1800s. Um, but we consider today's climate normal, and that normal is a different normal uh, to the climate that was experienced uh, back in the 1890s and the 1900s. Uh, and then if we move on to look at some of the climate related events of just of 2020, um, uh, and you see here we have, we, if, you, if you remember, we had uh, bushfires in Australia in early, the early part of 2020. We had uh, forest fires in the western part of the United States in uh, autumn 2020. Our own storm Kira in February 2020 features on the top 10 climate events of 2020. Uh, you may remember that there was reports of locust swarms in parts of Africa in 2020. We had uh, Typhoon Amphan uh, uh, in early 2020. This then in the, in the autumn uh, is the hurricane season, an image of the hurricane season. And you have all the hurricanes queuing up to hit land, landfall in Central America and the Southern states of uh, the United States of America. And it was a record year for, for hurricanes last year. We had flooding in China. So I suppose the point I'm making here is that we are seeing an increasing number of extreme weather events all across the globe. And in some respects, you know, perhaps um, these extreme weather events are being normalized. And we're, we're saying, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's another uh, forest fire. Or it's another set of uh, hurricanes. So you know, are we beginning to accept these as the new normal? But these events all come at a huge cost in the billions of dollars, not to mention, uh, in some cases, uh, loss, loss of life. In Ireland, then, you know, what, what are we seeing over the last number of years? Uh, I've got a couple of images on this graph. So on the top left, 
you have a graph showing the trend in our greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and greenhouse gas emissions are obviously linked to climate change. And you can see here that the graph shows a, a downward trend in greenhouse gas emissions up to uh, the early part of the last decade. And then it turned and has been on the increase since. And the projections here out to 2030 are for varying levels of, of, of uh, increase in uh, greenhouse gas emissions above where we were in 2015. Um, and those future projections are uh, influenced um, and be, uh, influenced largely by the trend in the national uh, herd. And the red bar here on the graph is the, is the target that's set out in the Climate Action Plan of 2019 for agriculture emissions in 2030. And it's below all these future projections. Now, um, those projections here that are on the graph are without mitigation. So in the absence of changing our farm practices, uh, our greenhouse gas emissions are going to exceed our climate action plan target. But the good news is that we, we have some tools in the toolbox. We have mit identified mitigation measures. We can reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And the challenge now is, is to uh, make sure that those uh, changes are implemented at farm level so that we can change the, the trajectory of this path here. Another graph here on ammonia emissions, which is not a greenhouse gas, but is a, an air pollutant, we can see there was a downward trend. Again, it has turned and is on the increase. And these are our targets here. And it's likely that we are going to exceed our targets unless, again, we start to change practices at farm level. On the water quality uh, front, uh, we've seen a loss in the number of high quality water bodies uh, over the last 30 years. And I get this, this is a worrying trend and a trend that we need to address uh, and reverse. And finally, then in the biodiversity area, we've seen a loss of biodiversity over the last uh, 30 to 40 years. Looking to the future then, uh, I've just got two slides uh, looking to the future, you know, and, and what, what, what kind of a climate uh, could our farmers be farming uh, with uh, in the future? So this is a, a publication from the EPA um, and um, lots of data, uh, 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 and lots of maps and predictions. I just picked out a small number here for these two slides. Uh, so looking to the future in terms of mean temperature, the predict prediction from this report is that mean temperature could increase by between one degree and 1.6 degrees uh, by, 20, by the middle part of this decade, by that 2040 to 2060 um, uh, period. So, and the highest temperature increases will be on the east of the country. It's also predicting that we're likely to have uh, a longer uh, growing season and also an earlier start to the growing season. Uh, and we're likely to have a longer grazing season. Our grazing season could be 12 to 55 days longer. So, you know, at first glance, you'd say, I'll take some of that. I wouldn't mind slightly warmer temperatures and a longer growing and grazing season. That could work. Um, but then you look at some of the other graphs that are in the document. Uh, and I've just picked out two here. You look at um, the projected changes in wet days and very wet days. Now, I think we all have our own definition of what a wet day is and what a very wet day is. And we could probably spend a good part of this uh, uh, broadcast this morning debating that. But in this publication, the definition of a wet day is a day uh, in which there's 20 millimeters of rain uh, in the day in 24 hours. And a very wet day is a day in which there's 30 millimeters of rain uh, in the 24 hour period. And just focusing in on the image here on the right and on the dark blue colors here in, in, this, in this image. And that's, what that's suggesting is that there could be a 30 to 40% increase in the number of very wet days uh, in, in that, in the mid, by the middle of the next decade uh, because of climate change. And down on this bottom lower uh, graph, it's showing that there could be um, between, uh, sorry, up to 47% increase in the number of dry periods during the summer. So there could be a half as many again, dry periods as we're currently experiencing by the middle of the next decade uh, because of climate change. Now, um, so when you look at this report uh, and you look at it from an agricultural perspective, the report suggests that a warming climate may present some positive opportunities for farming. Nevertheless, um, because of the change in climate, we're likely to see an increase in pests that are currently not uh, present in Ireland. And there's also going to be an increased frequency of droughts and heavy rainfall events. 
And, and both of those, or three of those, could be very detrimental to the potential gains of a warming climate to the agricultural sector in Ireland. And what we also have to bear in mind is that the climate is going to affect more than agricultural production in Ireland. It's also going to uh, affect our towns, our villages, our coastal communities, and it's going to put pressure on our infrastructure. So climate is going to impact on the, on the entire Irish economy, uh, including agriculture. Um, and we, we, I, we have to consider that um, when, when we're making choices in terms of our farm practices. So our actions over the last number of years are affecting our climate currently and will, will, will continue to affect the climate in the future. But our actions of today can influence our future climate. So uh, we, we need to be cognizant of, of that as well. And I think this is reflected in the emerging policy environment. And you know, we, we've seen recently the publication of um, the uh, European Green Deal and the associated then farm to fork and biodiversity strategy. And quite clearly, they're, they're trying to change uh, the policy environment. So to send very clear and strong sig policy signals to farmers uh, in terms of the type of farming that um, is, uh, is preferred for the future. So we've seen the launch of the European Green Deal. And as I said, uh, the farm to fork strategy and the biodiversity strategy. And the European Green Deal has set a very ambitious uh, agenda in terms of um, climate neutrality, and uh, it set the ambition of uh, the European Union being a climate neutral economy by 2050. And those, um, those targets and ambitions have been picked up in our own uh, climate action plan of 2019, and the Ag Climatized document of, uh, published by the Department um, of uh, Environment and Department of Agriculture just before Christmas. And um, I listened to Dale Crammond um, presenting about Ag Climatize on uh, an earlier edition of the Signpost webinar um, back in January. So the, 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 the roadmap, the way forward is, is clearly laid out in my mind. Um, and I suppose that's probably one of the reasons for the genesis of uh, the sign, Chagas Signpost program. So does, all, all of these policy documents are showing a, a clear need to rebalance the focus uh, between expansion, intensification, competitiveness and efficiency and sustainability and environmental focus. So, uh, it, you know, that's what these policy uh, documents are uh, focusing on. So moving on then to the signpost program itself. So the proposal from Chagas is to launch a national campaign to lead climate action, achieving early progress in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And at the center of the signpost program will be a core of 100 demonstration farms, um, which we will work with to uh, bring about change on those farms and so that those farms will be the early adopters of the technologies to reduce emissions. Uh, uh, and, and that they in turn then can act as signposts for uh, the wider farming population. They will also be uh, central to a wider signpost advisory campaign um, and uh, finally, then, just a common, you know, a guiding principle for the signpost program that's been adopted by Chagas is that we want to align the all of the agriculture industry around this uh, program. And it's not just a program for dairy dairy farmers or dairy processors, or indeed just for beef farmers and beef processors. It's for all of uh, the agricultural sector in Ireland because the challenge is immense. And we all need to get around uh, this uh, initiative. And secondly, then we want to build on existing initiatives uh, and relationships and collaborations uh, while avoid, avoiding duplication. So we're not looking to, to reinvent uh, the wheel, so to speak. We, we want to build on, on what's already there uh, and add value uh, by uh, focusing uh, existing efforts on the, um, on the campaign to reduce emissions from agriculture. Uh, and I suppose uh, I mentioned previously that, that one of the, the reasons for the, the launch of the signpost program by Chagas is uh, the publication of the Chagas Greenhouse Gas Marginal Abatement Cost Curve. And, and this has been covered in, in earlier signpost webinars. Um, so what this piece of research has identified are the tools and technologies which can contribute to a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from Irish agriculture. And this piece of research clearly identifies that while the technologies have been identified, that the challenge 
in the, in the decade ahead is to ensure, ensure widespread and early uptake of the measures that are identified, uh, that we can't wait uh, for, the, um, you know, for the end of this decade to get these uh, measures um, uh, into practice on Irish farms. We have to start work on um, enabling farmers to adopt these measures now. So visually then, what will the signpost program look like? Uh, at the center will be a series of farms, uh, which we're calling the signpost farms. And these farms will engage with uh, all farmers and all students or all students and all farmers can engage with these signpost farmers. Uh, for each of these signpost farmers, we're going to create a farm sustainability plan, which will, um, uh, which will be agreed with the farmer but which will set out a very clear roadmap for each farm, uh, specific to each farm, for the practices that can be adopted to uh, reduce their emissions, to improve water quality and to improve biodiversity. We, we also, at the end of each year, then we'll, we'll benchmark progress through the uh, generation of a, an, an annual sustainability report using our National Farm Survey methodology. These farms, these signpost farms, will also participate in on-farm research we, we will work with partners in the signpost program. So, you know, we're currently engaging with milk and meat processors to invite them to become partners in the program. Uh, and then in terms of uh, broadening the message to the wider farming community, we're going to use a combination of digital and our more traditional means of communicating with farmers through on-farm events, discussion groups, and training. So the, the, the objectives then for the signpost farms are to showcase science-based technologies which can reduce agricultural emissions while acting as hubs for the wider advisory campaign. And through our advisory campaign, we expect to mobilize all of our advisors, but also to work uh, to upskill, empower and enable private and industry advisors to work with farmers to bring about the change that's required to reduce uh, emissions from agriculture. Uh, just a couple of slides then on, on the demonstration farmers, the signpost farmers themselves. So it's, it's widely recognized that demonstration farmers have a major role to play in the application of scientific findings and uh, of new technologies. And it's also recognized that um, uh, demonstration farmers can, can spread those best practices and innovative farming approaches amongst their peers. So it's recognized that farmers learn from farmers. So um, what it'll mean to be a signpost farmer, uh, you know, we want signpost farmers to be champions for climate action. We want them to embrace and integrate science-based solutions, uh, to farm smarter, to use fewer inputs, to use bio-based solutions to displace fossil fuels, to work in partnership with their farm support team, uh, to innovate. We want them to try new things on their farms. And we also want them to share the possible to shape positive change amongst the wider community. And some of you may be familiar with the 20 by 20 campaign, which is, is running currently to uh, promote female participation in uh, sports. And their uh, slogan is, if she can't see it, she can't be it. And you know, I want that to apply to our signpost farmers. I want our signpost farmers to be the change that we want to see on all farms and to point the way forward to a better climate. So in turn, and fi my final slide in the signpost farms then, I, I apologize for this slide, Mark, uh, there's a lot of text on it, um, but if we just focus maybe on down along the, the, the left-hand side here, what are the types of targets we will be working with the signpost farmers to achieve? Well, the top line target is we, 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 we need to work with the farmers to reduce emissions from their farm. Uh, in, in total, and uh, one of the ways we can do that is to reduce emissions per kilo of product. So whether it's in this case on this slide for the dairy cow, per kilo of fat and protein milk, uh, but I have a, a similar slide for, for, for beef uh, and it's per kilo of carcass. So we have to reduce emissions per, per kilo of product, but also uh, uh, at the farm level uh, per, per hectare and nationally uh, overall. And then how are we going to do that? Well, within Chagas, we believe that if we focus on these items down along here, that uh, we will go a long way towards reducing emissions. So if we can re improve pasture productivity and stock the farm appropriately, if we can reduce fertilizer use and make more efficient use of fer applied fertilizer, but also more efficient use of slurry, if we can optimize our soil fertility, 
if we if we have adequate slurry storage and we spread uh, and utilize our slurry appropriately, if we have an optimum replacement rate uh, and we reduce concentrated crude protein percentage, particularly when animals are at grass, and if we can uh, manage biodiversity, all of those things can help to uh, reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, and help uh, the climate um, if we if we adopt the technologies and the appropriate practices. So we will be working with signpost farmers in the first instance to, uh, to uh, achieve those targets, but ultimately we'll be working with all farmers to um, move, move in the right direction. So we want to engage all, with all farmers, uh, you know, and sustainability, as the director said in his open comments, will be a primary focus for our advisors and teachers um, go, going forward. We want to provide tailored advice uh, to individual farmers because the advice for each farm will be different. We want to use a blended approach in using traditional and digital means of communications. Uh, and we, we will work in partnership with Board B on the signpost program. Uh, Board B are going to be partners on the signpost program, particularly in the area of, of communications and uh, making sure that messages are aligned. The farm sustainability plan I, I've mentioned before, uh, and just very briefly, it's going to be a document which will be a communication tool between the advisor and farmer so that actions that are agreed can be recorded and then progress on uh, the, the delivery of those actions can be tracked over time. Uh, so that's the farm sustainability plan. Uh, my second last slide then, the National Agricultural Soil Carbon Observatory. Uh, this is a, a new piece of uh, re a research project, which is just about to kick off, uh, led by Chagas. And I suppose it's been set up to answer the question about the amount of carbon that's been stored in our soils and in our hedgerows. So there has been some research work done in this area leading to some uh, figures, but um, there are still outstanding questions that need to be answered in terms of the amount of carbon stored on different soil types and under different uh, management practices and management systems. So what this project is going to do is to use the network of signpost farms as the, as the test sites, and it'll conduct a number of measurements on each farm, including deep soil sampling using equipment like this here, including LIDAR analysis of the hedgerows and uh, trees on the farm. And the deep soil sampling will, will come up with an estimation for the, the carbon in the soil. Uh, and the hedgerow analysis will come up for an estimation of the carbon in um, uh, uh, the hedgerows and trees. And the final part of this project then will involve uh, a number of carbon flux towers, which, uh, is, uh, which are, is this picture here in the bottom right of the slide. And uh, that piece of equipment can take uh, very detailed measurements of uh, the air and atmosphere uh, in the footprint of the tower. And uh, the data from all three of those um, uh, pieces of equipment can be combined uh, to give an estimation of the amount of carbon that's been stored in our soils and in our hedgerows. So uh, where we got to, what progress have we made today and what are our next steps? So we're currently working on confirming the partners for the program. And we've had very positive engagement with milk and meat processors to date. We're also working on the identification and selection of our signpost demonstration farms across the country. Uh, I'm currently running a recruitment campaign to recruit uh, some people to fill out the signpost team. Uh, we will commence data collection in the next number of months. Uh, 2021 is our baseline year, so we, we will uh, start to collect data and uh, build up a picture of where the signpost demonstration farms are starting from. Uh, we're currently working on the development of a farm sustainability plan. We have a prototype available and we will be using that prototype in the, inter in the uh, initial period uh, to work with our signpost farms, but we are developing a, a more robust farm sustainability plan. And we will start the rollout of signpost communications uh, very shortly. So thank you very much for the opportunity to present uh, and uh, share the signpost program uh, with the details of the signpost program with you this morning. Uh, my contact details are there on screen. I'd be happy to talk to anybody uh, on a one-to-one -one basis afterwards. Um, and uh, we have a, a web page, uh, the details for that on the screen as well. So uh, Mark, uh, thank you very much. I'll be happy to take uh, questions. Thank you, Tom. Um, that was really good run through the, the program. Obviously early days, yes. And you, you're still scoping out aspects of the program, but I mean, you're, you're making good progress there. We're having a few questions, Tom, in relation to the KPIs that you mentioned there uh, that were quite focused on the, 
the, the, the gaseous emissions side of things. Um, some people wondering about KPIs for water quality. Um, and I suppose that could be extended uh, beyond to the other kind of environmental parameters uh, that we need to keep an eye on. Maybe you'd like to comment mm. on that. So yes, the, 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 the I suppose firstly to um, reassure people that uh, the signpost program is going to look at uh, all elements of sustainability. So we see the signpost program as um, adopting a holistic view of sustainability. So while the focus for the program and the program that you know the the, the initiative uh, or the genesis of the program traces its way back to the, the publication of the greenhouse gas marginal abatement cost curve and the need to bring about change in farming practices to reduce emissions. So the focus for the program is about reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions. We will also through the program address uh, water quality biodiversity issues and also continue to focus on farm productivity and farm profitability, so economic sustainability. So we're taking a holistic view of sustainability is, number, is my first point. And the second point is that on the KPIs, you would have seen um, you know, a, 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 a target in there uh, to reduce um, nitrogen fertilizer use. So we will be looking to make more efficient use of applied fertilizers and equally to reduce nitrogen fertilizer use on the, on the signpost farms in the first instance, but then across all farms as, as we, we broaden the program. So to me, that's, 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 it's not a measure of water quality per se, but you know, my understanding is that if, if we can improve um, the efficiency of our nutrient use and also reduce the nutrient load, well, that will have a positive effect on uh, water quality measures. Um, yeah. Okay, thanks, Tom. Uh, you showed some interesting uh, maps there of uh, future temperature changes and future weather patterns. And I, I think it's interesting from an Irish context, but I think it's even more interesting when you look at what's going to be happening across Europe and uh, the impact on farming across Europe, the, uh, the, the areas that are, are, you know, of irrigation and so on. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities there for farming in Ireland over the, the coming years as a result of this 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 change that's occurring across the world. So I suppose it's it's uh, there's there's losses in one one area, but also probably gains. And I know some people are talking about the potential of of, of wine and uh, vineyards maybe uh, starting up in in County Wexford. But um, mm -hmm. no, it is. I, I think it's really important uh, to talk about that adaptation part of mm -hmm. the story because uh, up to now, I suppose we've been largely focused on the, the mitigation side. And, and I think in future webinars, I think we're, we're going to, to look, uh, take a closer look at that adaptation side. Is there going to be uh, an adaptation aspect to the signpost farm program? Um, yeah, I, I think the focus at the moment for, for me anyway is uh, on mitigation. So to try and reduce emissions and then, you know, I think as time goes on, we are also going to have to focus on adaptation. So adapting systems. And, you know, I think um, if we think back to 2018 um, and we had, um, you know, very, a very wet spring then followed by a drought, you know, we, we, we got through it um, just about, I suppose you could say. And I suppose what, what we want to, um, I want to be sure about is that in future we have systems we have our management systems are such that we're we're better able to cope with with those variations those extremes and i know following the the drought of uh, sorry following 2018 you know chagas did did some work on um mitigating that that weather or climate risk and you know ultimately you know it boiled down to having fodder reserves and feed reserves and and you know not running on empty you know, so that, you know, as you come to the end of March, that you're looking at the back wall of the silage pit. And that, that's fine. That, that can be fine for a lot of springs and a lot of years. But, you know, um, in, in the year, in the extreme year, you do need that reserve. And, you know, the old farm, farmers probably know best, you know, the, the old saying, old hay is old gold, you know, and, and you know, farmers would have left a, a, a pillar or a bench of the hay barn with hay at the end of the winter. And, you know, that was... That was a practice and perhaps maybe we've lost a little bit of sight of that so we, we need we need to think about um managing the risk mark mm. um and the clear indications are that uh our climate is is has changed 
is going to continue to change and, and we need to manage for, for the associated risks. We have a couple of questions just in relation to, you know, farmers getting involved in a signpost farm program. Is, is there a route there at the moment or how will you be going about selecting the farmers uh, of the farms to, to be involved in the program? Yeah, so during my presentation, I, I said we're, we're building on our on what we have already um, and we already have um, programs with various partners. So we have uh, dairy uh, dairy programs with the milk processors. Uh, we have um, uh, beef programs with uh, well, we had we've had beef programs with the meat processors. Um, and so, currently, what we're doing is we're, we're working to um, extend those programs to incorporate signpost. And under a number of those programs, there already was a demonstration farms mark. So I suppose in the first instance we're looking to work with our partners to identify demonstration farms. So between Chagask and our industry partner to identify and shortlist um, uh, farmers. Um, so that, that's the way we're going about it at the moment. Um, I guess, look, if somebody feels strongly enough that they want to put their name forward or suggest somebody, they can contact me and I'll, I'll certainly add their name to a, a shortlist for consideration. Um, but we're not, we're not, we haven't gone with an open call. We're, we're working through existing channels to identify farmers. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Pat, uh, lots of questions coming yeah. through there. And the other, I suppose I want to start with an, and uh, a question there. Is this a, a plan, is the plan for working with Chagas clients only or how will we extend it beyond the, the Chagas client base and in particular from an, a, an education and, and I suppose knowledge building or uh, knowledge transfer perspective? Okay, very, very good question. So, um, you know, I've mentioned in my previous answer that, that we work with milk and meat processor partners, um, you know, on a, I've come from the dairy knowledge transfer uh, background. So, you know, that's what I'm most familiar with. And I know that all of the dairy processors, for example, have, have advisors on the ground engaging with farmers and they engage with all of their suppliers, you know. Um, so, so that's one route um, that we're, we're going to explore through this program to ensure that, um, you know, the dairy advisors in the dairy cooperatives and the milk processors are attuned to the messages uh, that are coming from the signpost program. And not alone that, not alone are they aware of the messages, but they're enabled um, and empowered to, to act on those messages and to advise farmers accordingly. And we will be offering um, training to those advisors um, through Chagas Connected, um, uh, led up by Mark Gibson, um, uh, our, your co-host there, Pat. So, you know, I'd expect that we'll be rolling out industry training programs um, starting uh, later this year. Um, so as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting some, some uh, I'm, I'm going through a recruitment process at the moment. I expect to have some additional people on the signpost team uh, in the near future. And, and, and once we have the signpost team in place, we'll, we'll be looking at um, rolling out uh, training and um, communications. There's a, an interesting question there, uh, uh, alluding to your, your history in, 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 in previous roles of, of uh, uh, focus on, on uh, grazing and grazing management. Uh, do you see the implications for grazing management from the messaging coming from the signpost program? Uh... No, no, I don't, I, no, I think my answer is no. Um, you know, good top, top, top quality grazing management um, will, will, will be important to reduce emissions. That's what Chavez research work has, has shown. If we can increase the amount of grass uh, grown with, with the same amount of fertilizer, well, that's an, an improvement in efficiency. And that grass then can displace some, some other feed, which typically has a higher, um, higher emissions uh, footprint. So, you know, the more, the more grass we can grow and utilize and, and stock the farm accordingly, um, in, most, in most cases, the better. Now, um, I, I have to be very conscious as well, of course, Pat, um, from a biodiversity point of view, um, we, you know, we, we don't want to um, plow up and reseed um, high biodiverse pastures on, on farms that are, say, more moderately stocked. You know, so we have to get that balance right. You know, the, so, um, and, the, you know, you, you asked me specifically about grazing management. So I, I don't think grazing management will change, but um, our, our grassland swards may change, Pat. So 
we're, we're going to see uh, a, sh a shift towards um, more mixed swords, whether that's gra grass and clover or, or multi-species swords. Uh, we're, we're, go we're going to see uh, a shift in that direction, um, I think, in, in, the, in the future. But the, the management, the actual management of those swords, um, pro pro I don't think it's going to change dramatically, you know? Uh, there's a, a Tom, do you see any potential for signpost sustainability data to be incorporated into, into existing sustainability schemes like the uh, SDAS uh, Origin Green? And I suppose working with Borbia then. So, yeah, so I, we're, we're, we're like Chagas has a good working relationship with Borbia, and Borbia are going to be partners on the signpost program. So, you know, I, I anticipate uh, that there, there will be an alignment between um, the measures that we're tracking on the signpost program and the measures that are recorded through the sustainability audit and the ESTAS and um, SBLAST uh, schemes. And in, in point of fact, from, from looking at what's already uh, tracked and recorded by Borbia, there's, there's very good alignment. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think we need to build on that. Um, and, we, you know, we will work with Borbia to ensure that um, both messages from Chagas and Borbia are aligned and that there is, that any confusion is, is removed and that, you know, farmers aren't getting diff different signals from, from different state agencies. Just a point of clarification, Tom. I, I just yeah, I know during a presentation you referred to the, the farms largely being livestock farms, but I, I understand that the plan is to roll this out to a, a wider cohort of farmers. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, we we will have uh, farms representing all enterprises in the final team of signpost farms. So if I if I suggested livestock farms only, it was it was a slip. Um, we will have some tillage farms, um, albeit um, their carbon, their, the, emission, the emissions from tillage farms is significantly lower than uh, from other enterprises. But um, yet, yet no, you know, they, 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 can, um, they can reduce that level of emissions. Um, so we will have tillage farms. Um, I've already spoken to colleagues in Chagas, um, in pigs and forestry, you know, so we, we will gradually start to identify farms that will act as demonstration farms for all enterprises, Mark. We're probably a little bit more advanced um, in, in certain, in, with certain enterprises, not, notably dairy probably, we're probably a little bit further down the track in terms of selection of farms, but the ambition is to have demonstration farms um, in, for all enterprises. One of the, the, the questions, the recurring questions throughout this series, Tom, has been in relation to the national herd, um, how uh, we can continue to, to uh, expand the herd uh, and reduce emissions at the same time. Um, and, and look, we, we've had this discussion over and over, and I, I think it's it very much, it's, it's, it's a political decision uh, that, that, that uh, needs to be made. But uh, do you have a view on this and how, how the national herd, uh, coming from the, the dairy background that you have come from as well, um, how, how, how is this going to reconcile uh, come 2030? Yeah, it's, it's a very topical question, uh, Mark, uh, given uh, the publication of the, the CSO livestock numbers uh, for December 2020, just in the last number of days. So, um, and as you said, it is, it is a, a, a policy or a political decision. Um, you know, if there's a decision taken to um, uh, limit the, the national herd in any way, so that's, that's not a decision that's down to Chavez. Um, Personally, I, I believe, uh, and you know, it's Chagas' view that there are technologies available which can mitigate or reduce emissions from the national herd. So I, I would be, and Chagas would be advocating for the opportunity to, um, for those, for those uh, technologies to be adopted and, and to have an impact on, on emissions um, be, before maybe any drastic decision would be taken in terms of the national herd. Now, I, I recognize, having said that, I recognize as well that, that time is short and, and getting shorter. You know, we, we don't have an infinite amount of time um, to start to, to mitigate emissions. So, you know, there's, there's yeah, that, that's my view on it. Um, the, the decision on the national herd will be political. And um, 
I, I would be, and Chagas would be always uh, advocating that there are technologies there that can reduce emissions and we, we should be supporting the adoption of, of those mitigation strategies uh, in, in the first instance as a priority. Tom, a number of, I suppose, quick fire questions. Uh, will the carbon footprint uh, be measured on uh, products coming from the, the signpost farms? Yes, the, the plan is that the farms will be enrolled in a national farm survey and um, as part of an annual sustainability report, uh, a carbon footprint figure will be um, generated. Uh, will ammonia be included in, in sustainability plans? Yes, uh, we, are, we are also including ammonia and most principally, I suppose, technologies to reduce ammonia in, um, in our engagement with farmers. Uh, will any organic farmers be included? Yes, we want to include um, organic farmers in our in our final panel of signpost farmers. Um, so yeah, other, otherwise our panel of signpost farmers will not be representative of Irish farmers. So um, I, I don't know who sent in that question, but um, if, if if that person wants to contact me to talk about that, I'd be happy to have that conversation. Yeah, there's actually it was actually has come from a couple of people, so the. the, the... Yeah. If, if they would contact you, that's fine. Uh, will you take on board social and economic sustainability as part of your uh, sustainability uh, uh, measurement? Yeah, again, um, if, if people want to have a look at the Chagas National Farm Survey sustainability report, they'll see that the, the model that's that's reported on there is, is a holistic um, model for sustainability including four elements so the first is economic the second is environmental the third is social and the fourth is innovation um, so th there are the metrics uh, th there are the there are the segments that, of sustainability that we will be looking at and reporting on um, and um, under that then there's under each of those headings there's a number of, of key performance indicators so yes we will be reporting on on social and um, Social and what's the second? Um, uh, economic. economic, economic, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, sorry, the other, the other point to make, uh, the other point to make on that pat is that um, from time to time I, I get asked the question, you know, um, uh, will farmers be paid for adopting these new technologies, or you know, who's who's going to pay for the cost of adopting the technologies? So I guess what we want to try and show through the signpost demonstration farms is that over time, as, as these demonstration farms adopt the, the, the technology, so um, um, take on protected urea, spread slurry using low emission slurry spreading, uh, reduce fertilizer, improve their nutrient use efficiency, um, um, improve and, and ma manage and improve biodiversity. That hopefully, what, what we're anticipating is that we will be able to pick up in, the, in their uh, financial reports each year that in point of fact, their, their profitability is, is maintained or even improved. And so that's why we are going to very keep a very keen eye on economic sustainability um, so that we can demonstrate that by changing farming practices, it's not actually costing the farmer and in point of fact could, could be uh, contributing to improved profitability. A couple of questions in relation to the uh, I suppose the economic benefit to I suppose uh, processors and farmers in terms of us moving in the in this direction. Hmm. Uh, well, to farmers, from? I think I've alluded. Sorry, to farmers, I think I've alluded to in my previous answer. Um, I think a number of the technologies uh, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, are. Are, no, are known to actually either uh, be cost neutral to the farmer or actually to reduce costs. So, you know, for example, um, the adoption of EBI is uh, a cost, cost is, is, is deemed to be of, uh, to add to profit um, uh, and not, not to cost the farmer. That's, that's one example. Uh, the switch to protected urea is a small cost to the farmer, a very small cost to the farmer, whereas the uh, adoption of low emission slurry spreading is, is a bigger cost to the farmer and that's why we have uh, TAMS grants for low emission slurry spreaders to try and uh, uh, reduce that cost of the adoption of the technology to the farmer. To the processor, um, I guess what I'm picking up as, as I talk to processors 
is that is that their customers, so the customers of Dairy Gold and Glanbia and Keypack and ABP and so on, the customers that are buying the products produced by the processors are putting increasing pressure on the processors to demonstrate that uh, they are re that they are working with their suppliers to reduce the footprint of the product. So, um, you know, for a, for, for a Dairy Gold selling butter or an Ornua or selling butter to a customer, the question there being asked is what is the footprint of that kilo of butter and what are you doing to reduce it? So there is, from, from what I gather, talking to the processors, they're, 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 they're under pressure from, um, from their customers to uh, show that they're reducing, to demonstrate and you know, to validate that they're reducing the footprint of the product. So in, in some respects, you could uh, take the view uh, that the price, of, um, the price of selling product onto the international market, and, and remember that we export 90% of our product, the price of, of selling market onto the international market is uh, uh, a move towards improved sustainability um, and that we don't have a choice in the matter. Um, so, yeah. Uh, questions in relation to how do you propose to deal with water quality issues in working with the, the signpost farms? So our proposal in, in that respect is to work with ASAP. Um, I've uh, spoken with Noel Meehan, the ASAP program manager, and we have reached an agreement that the ASAP advisors can visit each of the demonstration farms, the signpost demonstration farms, and conduct um, a full uh, farmyard and farm assessment, identify the risks, and then uh, put in place a plan with the farmer to reduce and eliminate uh, those risks uh, over a period of time. Um, I, I believe also from talking to Noel that, that LawPro uh, will also, are also willing to come on board uh, and help with um, water quality assessment in the local catchment. So that, that's our plans at the moment. Uh, we're not going to be taking a, you know, a catchment approach. So we'll, we'll deal with the, the demonstration farmer and we'll ensure that the demonstration farmer isn't as adding uh, to the burden on the, the local catchment. But, you know, we won't be looking at the neighboring farmers that are also um, uh, uh, contributing to the, to the local catchment. And there's some similar questions about uh, potentially working with other agencies involved in the, the biodiversity, uh, yeah. and nature and habitat area. Mm. What are um, you? Chagas, Chagas will be happy to work with other agencies and, you know, to uh, uh, work with them as partners in on the signpost program. So again, as I said uh, on my final slide, if anybody wants to talk with me afterwards, um, uh, I'm sure my, my email address is available on the Chagas website. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I'm happy to talk to anybody afterwards about that. Um, you know, I was very interested yesterday. Uh, we had a meeting uh, with a number of the EIP uh, projects um, and project leaders, should I say. Um, and, you know, I think there's great potential there on, on some of the, um, the EIP projects in relation to biodiversity and, and the types of scorecards that are being used. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, we're, Chagask is happy to um, work with other agencies um, uh, through the Signpost program. And I, as I said, you know, we see this as a whole of industry approach to, to reducing, uh, principally to reduce emissions but ultimately to farm more sustainably, which will also benefit uh, water quality, biodiversity and economic sustainability. Uh, a, a fairly specific question, but it's cropped up two or three times now, is uh, will you be working with the equine industry and, and uh, equine farmers in, in, in the programme? Yeah, can, can, we, we, we can. We, we can. Uh, if, you know, if, again, if that person wants to contact me afterwards, I'm happy to talk to them. Um, the signpost program is a whole of industry, a whole of sector approach. Um, so we will we will work with all sectors, um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody after the call. Um, look at, at at the moment we're we're probably focusing on um, you know the dairy, the, the the beef, the livestock sector, dairy, beef, and sheep, I guess. But you know it is our ambition to engage with all sectors. Um, but you know there's only so many hours in the day, so. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to get the dairy, the livestock sectors lined up at first, uh, and then we'll, we'll engage with other sectors. Tom, we have, um, you know, over the next number of years, if I'm a farmer, I'm looking at all of these different policies and ambitions for the sector um, mm. coming, coming down the tracks. 
Um, I mean, how do you see, or where do you see the role of industry there in supporting farmers through this change? Because, uh, you know, it, 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 there are going to be a lot of uh, things for farmers to contend with over the next uh, number of years. Um, is, do you have a view on that? Um, okay, so I, I, I suppose I'll start by, by saying that um, there is, there is going, we can anticipate a lot of change, Mark. So, you know, to, to expect that um, an organization like Chagas or Industry can come out and say, you know, if you do this, everything will be sorted um, is, is probably a wrong premise to start on. So, you know, in the first instance, I think as, as, as producers, we have to accept that, that the future is, is, is going to involve change, right? So that's, that's a starting point. And then in terms of industry, um, I suppose, what, what I would look to industry for and, and what, what, they, what industry are very good at doing uh, and have done, in my opinion, very well, but you know, I, I'm looking at from the dairy point of view and that's been my experience. So we, we look to industry to send very clear signals to, to producers and, and to send those clear signals well in advance so farmers can, can, can plan their um, plan for the future. So, you know, that um, if there is going to be a change in regulations around you know, for example, you know, antibiotic usage and uh, with a change coming uh, in, in January of next year. Well, well, that change has been signaled for, I don't know, three or four years now at this stage. And Chagas has certainly been, you know, talking about that change and, and promoting the, 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 the technologies and the changes that are required in advance of that piece of legislation coming into existence. So, you know, what, what industry can do, I guess, is, is send very clear signals. And I suppose the other thing that I'd, I'd, I'd look to industry to do, and particularly in the area of, of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, um, the, 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 there, there, are, there are technologies that can reduce emissions. Um, and then there are technologies that look like they can reduce emissions, but don't, or are not recognized for reducing emissions. And you know, what, what we want to avoid is you know, um, uh, confusing the message or muddying the waters. Um, by, by promoting products and technologies that appear to help, but don't actually help at all. So we, we, you know, we want to be sure that um, we're, we're providing sound advice backed up by science to farmers. And, and that's where Chagas can come in. You know, uh, we, we're, we're a science-based organization. We can, we can validate the research. We can provide independent advice um, and we can support the industry. We can help the industry to make decisions around products uh, and technologies that are already emerging and will undoubtedly more of them will emerge in the coming years. And we want to be sure that if farmers use a technology that it's going to be of benefit to the farmer, of benefit to the industry and of benefit to Ireland. Okay. Tom, just a quick question. Uh, it, it's just saying uh, key is the communication of signpost KPIs to farmers and stakeholders. Do we need a national education and training program uh, to, to back this up? Absolutely, Pat. Um, I, I, um, it's high on my agenda. Um, there, there is. Um, I'm very much aware of it over the last number, not just in the last number of months since I moved into this role, but in the last number of, of years. There, there is, in my opinion, there is a knowledge gap out there around climate change and the role that farming plays in climate, and the role that farmer farming can play in uh, mitigating. Um, uh, cl uh, climate change. Um, so there is there is a knowledge gap, and I think I think we have to we have to work together to try and, and uh, fill that, that knowledge gap. And in the first instance, it's a priority for me to work with the signpost farmers to ensure that all of the signpost farmers are very comfortable talking about climate and talking about climate change and talking more importantly about climate action. So I want to move beyond the situation where the farmer. Um, has switched to using protected urea and low emission slurry spreading and has reduced chemical fertilizer nitrogen, all the right things to do. But the farmer doesn't, doesn't really understand why, why he or she is doing that. And that, that's, a, that's a very important link for me that, that, people, under, that people and farmers, we, that we all understand that our, our individual decisions are having an impact on climate. Um, and uh, so that, that's an important part for me. And it, absolutely, there's a need for an education um, around that and around uh, a lot of other issues uh, relating to climate as well. 
Okay, Tom, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, huge amount of positivity and encouragement and wishing you the best of luck with the program. So from all of the, the Signpost uh, webinar team, we want to wish you luck uh, with the program as well. And uh, we, we hope to maybe get regular progress updates from you as, as time goes on. So uh, once again, uh, congratulations on, on getting the, the program to this point. And uh, we, um, we, we'll, we'll keep in touch with you over, over, over the next uh, months and, and years. Um, just to let everybody know that uh, next week we'll be uh, speaking to Paul Wagstaff from Self Help Africa. So we're, we're taking a, a slight detour and, and just looking at the impact of climate change on smallholder food production in the tropics. And just to, to get a, a view of what's, what's happening in, in other jurisdictions, I think it's, it's, it's useful uh, exercise to, to do that. Uh, so we'll be joined by uh, Paul Wagstaff from Self Help Africa. Just a reminder to people, the uh, Environment Edge is the name of the podcast that uh, has, has been launched today. So if you want to look that up on your uh, podcast um, platform, Environment Edge, uh, just put that in and you should, it should pop up for you. And um, so that's, that's really it. Um, thank you, Pat, for all of your, your, your help with the, the questions. And again, Tom, thanks again for an excellent presentation. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody again next week. Uh, I hope you, may, you possibly hear the heavy rain in the background here. It's, uh, it's, getting, it's coming down uh, very hard. So your, your, your maps are, are coming true, Tom, <laughs> certainly in the West anyway. Okay, God bless, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagask.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.